We wanted to start this uh, podcast episode with a brief tribute to Jack Adams, who sadly passed away on the 12th of June, just over a week ago from cancer. Jack was a supremely talented young player who, unfortunately, his injuries cut short his career, um, but was not only well-liked and well-respected, but well-thought-of just generally in the rugby community. He played for Gloucester, Bristol, Moseley, Sindeford and Chinor, and also represented England Sevens on a number of occasions. Jack was only 34 and uh, leaves behind uh, a young family, a wife and three children. And obviously all our thoughts at Cherry Jam go to his wife, family and friends. A number of us met Jack and um, every time we met him, he was a lovely bloke and couldn't uh, and was clearly loved the game of rugby and wanted to be involved in it even after retiring, coaching at Brockworth, which was his boyhood club and Hockercote. We were incredibly lucky to have Jack at Gloucester, even for a brief period of time that it was. And there are a number of people that even now will remember him ghosting past Brian O'Driscoll uh, at uh, at Lansdowne Road um, in, a, in a Heineken Cup game. And um, there is a, a, a Just Giving charity page, which we would encourage you to, if you can do and you're able to, um, donate towards. It's already raised just under £100,000 and we at Cherry Jam have um, contributed as well. Um, the, the page is justgiving.com forward slash campaign forward slash Jack Adams. Um, and it's uh, really to support Jack's family and also to help uh, raise funds for uh, cancer treatment as well. Um, we can't really say anything more than just, it, it was a pleasure to watch Jack play rugby um, and it was a pleasure to meet him and interact with him. And all our thoughts are with his family, friends at this difficult time and rest in peace, Jack. Hello and welcome to the 50th episode of Cherry Jam. I know it's amazing. I can't believe it either. Uh, we've managed 50 episodes. Uh, we haven't fallen out that much. Uh, and amazingly, there's about 250, 300 people listening every week, which is even more miraculous. Uh, so this week we have got um, a few things. First of all, I wanted to apologize for everybody. Um, despite my best efforts, um, I think probably due to my incompetence, the, uh, the, the, the episode that we did actually record uh, after the London Irish victory, uh, for whatever reason, I could not get it to upload. So uh, it is; it does exist. It is on this computer, and eventually I will somehow manage to get it sorted. But um, anyway, we'll we'll move on from that. Um, a big congratulations to Jim for uh, completing Le Jog, uh, Lansdowne's John O'Groats in was it ten days, Jim? Seven. Yeah, oh, well, I don't know. You know, seven days. Eh? Yeah, forty-nine hours. Yeah. So well done to good him. Effort. It good is a good effort. effort. It's a little bit. I think it's a little bit quicker than Russ. I think. Well, twelve days for me. 
Yeah. But I was about five stone heavier than Jim and a lot shitter at cycling. Still <laughs> a lot shitter at cycling. And, and if I remember rightly, Russ, when you did it, you were pretty much on your own all day, every day after about the first yeah, 10 miles. Yeah, I, I didn't know you? most people. And this will be a surprise to no one. Let's get the Russism in early. I also did a day where I did extra miles because I got lost. That did mean, Russ, that you did a thousand miles, didn't you? Yeah, I did do a thousand miles. So. Which, yeah, still slower nice. than Jim. But anyway, I, my, you know, my this, this actually, isn't a cycling podcast. No, 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 no. My mate actually set up a thousand mile challenge for us to do after we'd done the route that was nine <laughs> that was 915 miles. And he didn't give us any, a day either end. So if anyone wanted to complete his challenge, we'd have had to have done an extra 85 miles on one of the days. I was like, yeah, clever. Anyway, that's too much cycling already. <laughs> right, he was far too much cycling. Uh, I regretted that instantly. Uh, right, we're going to start tonight with um, actual news um, from the, Gl- the Gloucester Rugby Club. Um, and uh, to help me with the actual news, we've got uh, Russ Brooks, as we've already heard, James Eastwood, Lawrence Landre and Jim Harley. Um, and the news this week was that uh, we've got a training facility being built and it's going to be... And it, I know, and it's going to be next door, so ignore exactly anything I ever say, because I was convinced it wasn't going to be next door. Um, so it's going to be next door at the old Arjo SLG beauty facility warehousey thing. Um, and we're going to have some sort of indoor pitch, which clearly is not going to be a full-size pitch, because there's not enough room. Um, and uh, there's going to be hospitality stuff there. They're going to be a state-of-the-art gym. Um, it looks very shiny and it's about exciting. 40, 46 Olympic weight units or something? Some nonsense like that, yeah. Six. Very... Not 46. Six, six uh, was well, it. Okay. You know, just more than you could shake a stick at. And... Yeah. yeah. So it's a lot, it's a lot of weights. Um, You've seen the photos, the artist's impression look incredible, don't they? They do. They do. I mean, they do. I know that's their job to make them look incredible, but. Yeah. Uh, and apparently that they've already started work. It, the training facilities will be ready by September. And the other part of the news this week, or today, released today, was that um, the pitch, the all singing, all dancing hybrid pitch that we got the best, two the years best ago, pitch in the land, best pitch you can get for money. Yeah, that, that's going. Um, and we're getting an artificial one. Uh, so let's start. Who would like to go first? Uh, we'll go on the artificial pitch because I think that's the one that's the most comedic of all. Typical Gloucester. Who would like to start? Snowy's got his hand up. Go on, mate. After you. Hello, I'm back. Um, <laughs> I, I think if you think about it, I think actually it's a really clever way of doing a budget, of coming out of a budget solution that's really fit for purpose because that building could only have otherwise been used as a distribution center, which is pretty cheap, like a square footage. It wouldn't have cost a lot to get access to the building. You've got the shell of it there ready to go. So all you've got to do is some basic mezzanines and stuff inside. Yeah, the, the graphics look good, but it's going to be a pretty simple structure. It won't cost a lot to put together. And I think they've said they'll have most of the play, the players' facilities in there in July. So mm. no, no time yeah. at all. Yeah, but so what that, you've that then, tells you how what, simple it's going to be, doesn't it? If it's yeah, going to be yeah. ready in four or five weeks. But what you've then got, which is undoubtedly the more expensive bit, is the new the new pitch at the ground itself, which is then dual purpose. Because not only have you upgraded the pitch, which um, develops some revenue opportunities, things that you, you know you can get more games on a pitch in a short period during the winter, community games, etc. But also means that it's the training pitch, so they're not having to travel between different facilities. Everything's all in one place. 
Um, so I actually think it's, it's a really clever solution. I think if you're a player looking at that, I don't, I don't think there's anything that would jump out that where you'd say that this is missing something that I'd get at other clubs. So I think it's quite an attractive proposition for bringing players in. It does everything it needs to do. Um, having the indoor option on that, it's just like a little sort of mini pitch inside, isn't it? Where you can mm. at least go through some moves and things, but uh, that would be useful too. I think it's a yeah, really good setup. You only need about half a pitch to be able to train on, don't you? Really, to do whatever you want to. Because, all right, yeah, you're going to boot the ball clear, but it doesn't matter. You're not going to practice your kicking indoors, are you? So you can have your defensive moves at a line you, eight where you, you then just get rid of it. You say that, Loz. I don't know what the what the height of the place is, but they can get some nets up, couldn't they? And potentially, potentially they could do some there kicking some, practice. Maybe there was some yeah, yeah. Air from the artist's impression, so yeah. maybe. Would, but what's know, the point in practicing your kicking at goal when you know, when you're kicking outside all the time with no, no, with with no um, weather conditions to affect your kicking? Yeah, we're going to posts where half the games you're going to play in the whole season are going to be kicking to those posts. It probably yeah. makes sense to go out and practice. They're going to do it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're not, we're, also, we're, not, we're not going to have to be playing in Racing yet, so we'll, uh, we'll, we'll just assume we're yeah. going to play outdoors every time. I, I, did, I did laugh at the uh, Alex Brain video where he turned around and said the players were consulted and that is what they really want. And that most of the... To, to, I, there, there was a logic to an extent behind it about the fact that they're going to be training and playing on exactly the same type of surface rather than changing to other surfaces. But that's only going to help us for half our games this season. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, no, it just means, we, we've it said, just means that Brown's going to... Sorry, go on, Jim, go on. No, I've, I've said before that, you know, it's a bit of an advantage for the teams that play on a 3G pitch, you know, that when we go as a non-3G team to those pitches, we're not quite, we're not quite used to it, which actually was a bit misguided from me because we train on a 3G pitch a lot. But I think... I, I buy into it. I actually do buy into it that if you're training and playing on the exact same surface, so it's got the same bounce, it's got the same absorption, it's got the same ability to step, all of that, um, then I think that will reap rewards come game time that, um, with you know, just with consistency. Absolutely. I think it's less about the surface personally. I think it's about training in the ground has a really big advantage because it's just little yeah. things like your peripheral vision and where the corners are, what those like little visual cues are around parts of the stand and things like that. I think that really helps if you're playing, if you're spending that much more time on your home pitch. Yeah. And, and you'll get so much more, um, so much more time with different weather conditions as well. So when the wind's blowing one way, you can, especially as a goal kicker or, you know, a line out thrower, you, you can get all that, kind of idea of how it affects the flight of the ball um, with looking at the flags, right? When the flags are going that way, the ball does this. When the flags are going that way, the ball does that. And yeah, but they can go out there and practice that at the moment, can't they? The surface well, is They can, they can, but with a 3G surface, they can do it all day, every day. Hang on, we aren't having a 3G surface. We're having the latest, most up-to-date version. It's a 5G. No, no, they're all they, 3G. They said that because I didn't it's, see anything about it being... Every, it's 5G, end. we're in the COVID area, it's 5G. No, it's not 5G. <laughs> well, well, it's cheap, 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 cheap from down the road in Bristol, isn't it? Yeah, that's the thing. Transport costs were less. 
if you've got some company in Bristol that's saying we're making the best I mean, artificial pitches in the world, it's 46 G, it's 12,392 12, <laughs> G. You know, it they're, won't, all, they're be, all 3 G pitches. It'll be 3.5 G, the lesser brother of them. I think you missed, you missed the joke. There. I think you missed the joke there, Jim, with yeah. the 5G comment. No, I, I, I got it, Loz. Are you, yeah. Suddenly <laughs> all our players will become radio controlled in the game and you'll have like... Um, Wolfwick suddenly directing them to miss or something, yeah, because of the, the Microsoft Lions. The Microsoft Lions, yeah. <laughs> um, I think on a serious note, when they interviewed, the players they did interview did seem to like the selling point that the training pitch and the playing pitch surface is the same. Whether that's some spin from the club or not, I don't know, but at least it, yeah, probably, but I'm looking to add... Has it got a coffee shop? Where they can go and sit and have a chill afterwards. Yeah, is the gym? Is the equipment in the gym good? That's what they're. Well, it about. is, and it's probably yeah. set up. So long as it's set up for the chip and pin for their credit card roulette when they're buying the bills, paying their bills after. I think the one thing I did like, and Skivington said this, and I think it's a good point. I don't necessarily think it's a good point for him with my cynical hat on. Was he was saying, well, now we've got good state of the art facilities coming in, we've got no excuses. So you know. They, I guess, you know, they've got what they've asked for. I think it is really good. I like the fact that it is in the centre of the city. That probably does have a lot of selling points. Um, but it does give them no hiding place going forward. You can't blame the lack of being prepared now for all the reasons we've said. They're training on playing on the same pitch. They, you know, that that's going to have an impact longer term, I think. Yeah, um, I mean, sort of. I'm just want to move it on a little bit in terms of the playing side of things. Obviously, it is quite amusing that literally two and a bit years ago we had the new pitch put in, and it was all about the fact that uh, the reason why we went for this hybrid pitch is because the players were worried about injuries. The players, you know, it was then put to a vote for the players. The players decided it, and all the rest of it. And then, yeah, yeah, we consulted the players, and they were really happy with our decision to move it to an artificial. Now, now we, now we've run out, run out of money. We need now we've run out of money, and yeah. We, yeah, yeah. So, but, but the obviously, and that's the point I was going to make, Loz. That the 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 real bonus, the real big bonus from this pitch, this artificial pitch, and it was something that I was sort of saying back to two three years ago when we were actually being asked by Stephen Vaughan, "Oh, what are your thoughts on the pitch?" sort of thing, and I made the point quite openly that I felt that an artificial pitch, all right, it may not be ideal from the player's point of view, but from the club's point of view, you can basically rent that pitch out every single day for community use, for additional corporate use. You know, you can hire it out to uh, local clubs to play on and train on. You can hire it and, and you can then have women's games on it, academy games on it. You could have multiple games on in one day. Um, and it would mean a massive amount more revenue coming into the club. Um, now you still have to look after these things that you can't just um, uh, just you know smash them and and, and wear them out. Uh, I think Saracens um, found that their pitch, their original Astro, uh, AstroTurf pitch, uh, really declined in in its um, quality quite quickly because they didn't look after it properly. Um, you know, these aren't, these right, are still. They, they let any Tom, Dick, and Harry and any sort of footballer that they wanted go on there straight after a game every time. Well, apparently, apparently, the, the, actually, the best thing for these pitches is for people to go on the pitch afterwards. It, it apparently evenly spreads the rubber crumb or whatever's used packs, packs as the base. Back down again. Yeah, apparently, it's what they need to. You might actually start to see after the game 
fans will actually almost be invented, uh, invited onto yeah. the pitch again. Please, it's really nice. Invade the pitch, please, please invade the pitch after the. But as long as you're not wearing stilettos. Probably not ideal. No. Um, yeah. So that's you, eh, Ed. I know. Damn. My favourite. <laughs> he won't go on that pitch. He turns his ankle every time. I was going to say, the, the, guarantee it. I'll be the first, my, first, first, yeah, first step on the pitch. I'll do my ankle. Quite right, Russ. Um, I mean, in terms of the position of it, the other uh, uh, side of it, Russ mentioned, which is, you know, maybe a, an unsung part of it is that it's a brownfield site. It's a, it's a, an industrial site in the middle of the city. Um, and Gloucester have basically invested a, a quite a sizable amount of money into the city, which is can only be a good thing. Um, and um, they're also apparently going to be bringing in more hospitality uh, parts to the to this um, the, the, the new facility. That will be a later date. That'll be a later stage. So that probably will be next season or the end of next season or the beginning of next season, um, which um, will be interesting to see. Uh, Loz is very cynical and suggests that uh, my suggestion that we might get some sort of membership area for, for season ticket holders, uh, Loz papooed very quickly. That, that hospitality no, no. stand, the hospitality will probably arrive about the same time they uh, build the permanent stand where the bill base is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's probably when it will turn up. I'm sure that, you know, it's, it's another money-making space on game day, isn't it? But I think what's yeah. more interesting is what they could do with it during the week, potentially. So mm. I, I don't know if it's, the gym side of it is probably just going to be for the players, but whether they open that up with a membership for, for people nearby to also access the gym. If it's got a coffee shop and stuff in it you've got the jockey's just been completely refurbished hasn't it across the road as well yeah was that, that, potentially a, yeah, nice you know stuff. in gloucester at the minute the the high street is is dead and buried um yeah. down at the um docks it's quite nice now and there's a bit of a hub down there but it's a long way from the ground so if they can create well, a bit, a bit more of a yeah, but you say that's no. I mean, you say the high street's dead and buried. they're pumping a load of money into the old debenham site aren't yeah, i was about to say jim i haven't seen there's, there's, a, there's, a real, there's a real, you know, the, the whole new bus train station sort of, yeah, yeah, all, all of that. Um, and it's, it's all fantastic. of that. I think it's a good point, Jim. I think all of that could potentially be a good selling point for potential recruitment long term. Maybe I don't know. Obviously, it's no yeah. fucking London, but you know, being close, they haven't got to go miles out of town to get to a training facility anymore. So. It's a bit easier for them to get. From. Yeah, like we say we build all these structures. They're still going to live in fucking Cheltenham. Well, yeah, you know. I was thinking more about they, they do decide to live in Gloucester. Um, you know, out of convenience, live in you know your your your, your King's Home area. Um, I don't think they'll be living than... in King's Home. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. There's some lovely properties in King's Home. The young players all um they all live by Tesco, didn't they? I don't think we're at the point of gentrification of King's Home yet. Yeah, we're assuming yeah. what you're saying, they can walk to training and pop in the jockey for six points after. Or you know, other pubs are available. You get into Teagues or um. I was thinking more of yeah, just making it more of a help link with the community a bit more and have a bit bit more of a constant vibe during the week and yeah yeah because go on go on yeah i was gonna say yeah the experience on a match day now is it's very quiet in that area and around the ground until half an hour before kickoff compared to what it used to be Mm. or or if you take say when the world cup games were on there and for hours beforehand it was really thriving wasn't it and everywhere was busy the the club can make a lot more money if they can get back to that sort of pre-match 
that's, that's the Exeter model, isn't it? Get people to spend more money. That Lance has mentioned well, that before. Yeah, yeah, but the, as we said before with the Exeter model, it's utter bollocks. They're, they're well, 20 no, yeah, miles away from anything else. <laughs> yes, yes, I know. And, and I get that people have a whole day out at Sandy Park, don't they? Whereas they have two hours out at, uh, at Kingsland. But I think this does have the potential that you could have maybe another layer of the membership whereby you kind of, you sign up to access to something and it gets you a hot meal or whatever, you know, pre-match. And there's lots and lots of different things that you could have um, with that extra facility so close nearby. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Yeah, going back to what Snowy was saying about the gym side and um, letting, uh, letting Joe, Joe Public to, in. Joe Public. If we go for a world-class facility with, um, <laughs> white, you know, all the kit that goes with it, I wouldn't really want the general public using it to be brutally on the shoe. <laughs> when I go off weightlifting, this is a, it's a private gym and they can't even be bothered to look after the weights there, for Christ's sake. Imagine what it's going to be like with Joe Public going in. And I, think, there. I think it's a wider thing, isn't it, Loz? The access to the players. Do the players the want public. to Do the players want the to talk about the, the, the players? Yeah. Hi, Jamal. Why are you lifting weights? I've, I've got a few wow. bits of input on how to improve your scrummaging technique. Oh, fuck they, off. You know, it's, they, yeah, they, just... For the last 15 years, wherever they've trained, they've had that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so they're probably David, sick of it. David Lloyd, weren't they, or whatever it was called then, for a few years, and that would have been just as bad. I mean, they must be sick of it, to be honest. They probably want... And it's the same after the game, isn't it? They don't need so-and-so coming up and telling them where they went wrong, really. So... I can understand yeah. the players want yeah. that separation. I think, I think, so if, I think, it's, if it's £100 a month and you get access to a powerlifting gym with yeah. the players, then I think there's a lot of people that do very little powerlifting that might sign up. I know there's plenty of other gym equipment and everything there as well, but if you set the price right, you know, it can be decent revenue for the club, improve the community side of things a bit. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what the plan is, but I'm sure they're going to want to generate revenue from any new space they buy, the same as any business. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, this is something that I'm not sure. I haven't. I've read pretty much everything, and I haven't seen anything about this. Um, the 3G pitch, I'm assuming, reacts much better to having concerts and stuff on it because they put like the um, yeah. the plastic kind of protection on top yeah i mean and, you know and then I, they can kind I, of leave it there potentially rather than um, the the grass obviously needing sunlight yeah so Car cardiff uh the arms park has got um artificial pitches and has has done for quite a few years now um and they have concerts or they had concerts on that on there occasionally and they've had like fan zones there and all sorts so i don't yeah. think it's an issue there no um, I, well, what, what i mean is when we've had concerts in the past it's kind of been right we'll have we'll have a a couple of concerts over a weekend but then they take it all away again well actually potentially if you could have a couple of concerts one weekend leave it for a week a couple of concerts the next weekend you know yeah, they well they've had to they've had to because the pitch gets fucked and they have to repair it don't they so you need they can only have the concerts on x amount of weeks before the start of the season well yeah to so give the chance to, to relay yeah, the might, pitch yeah, so it might open up it might open up new old options so who knows so I'm going to move on now just because um, there's a few, there's quite a lot to get through tonight. Um, and it's, this, is, this has got the potential to be in a bit of a bumper 50th episode. Um, so we've done the training ground and, and the pitch stuff. Um, now, uh, the next bit is the kind of the, the silly season has already started. Uh, and uh, the silly season this year is, is particularly good. Uh, the rumour 
Uh, the rumor is that Steve Diamond uh, is heading a consortium of either American or Middle Eastern businessmen. Um, not not uh, definitely not European. Uh, apparently, it's American or Middle Eastern, Jim. I don't know about European. I've not heard about the Europeans. No, uh, I'm just, I'm just you know, thinking of. They, they might be countries. Asian, Oceania. Are they Australian? They could could all be from Nigerian princes. You never know. Well, yeah. Is it a Kenyan looking? Is it a Kenyan looking for an investment? So apparently, these 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 uh, these businessmen apparently going to heading a consortium to come and purchase Gloucester Rugby Club. Now, I'll be honest. I'm taking with a lot with a pinch of salt. There is there are stuff there is stuff going on. So obviously, Gavin Gleave has resigned his directorship of the club. Um, which you know, there, there, there's he had a ten percent stake in the club, so there's a there is something afoot. But are we well, taking he might this? Still own that. He might still own the ten percent. True, he could one. do. Yeah, he, he might not want the directorship just because you're a director doesn't mean you own the club. True. Uh, so are, are we taking this all with a pinch of salt, or do you think there is yeah. something behind it? Yeah, uh, even well. something minor behind it. Anything at all? Uh, it's Gloucester. It will be, be really underwhelming. The story will be like I said, like I said to you jokingly in the podcast in our chat the consortium will be the bankrupt brother of the richest man in the world and then we, <laughs> you know it'll be something like that it's buying a rugby club it's going to cost what 15 million exactly, yes. and we yeah, need a consortium of businessmen Mm. Yeah, so well, they, I, it, they, they rounded up twenty people from bloody Gloucester, businessmen from Gloucester, to do it. it do you know on. what it There's smacks? Not much of a businessman if you need a consortium to buy a. Do you, do you know what it smacks of, Loz? It smacks of when player sponsor. When we've joked about sponsoring a player before, and everyone goes, "Well, I've got fifty quid. Who's got the tenor to bump it up so we can go?" Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's you, like you said, you don't. If, it, consortium worries me because it it kind of says there's no one with a lot of money. Um, backing it and I, I what i love is how this story has escalated from someone has heard that steve diamond was looking for a house in cheltenham yeah and we've got to this you know it's it's fucking bizarre isn't it it's, it's such a leap of and and what i love are the sources you know what the people say which is basically and people people break it as if it's an exclusive you know what the same exclusive the rugby paper broke you know there's there's there just doesn't there, there's nothing behind it that makes you think oh there's a lot of weight to this bit or there's a lot of truth here well, how's a certain person on king's home is my home or whatever it's called uh, gloucester rugby is my home um broke this story because it'll got some proper weight behind it if he has honestly well there's there's I, all I sorts there's on a, that site but I, I think there's no smoke without fire with this one to be honest but my, my guess and it is a guess so this will probably be on gloucester rugby is my home so, 10 minutes after you publish it said is that there is there are people or a person by you. <laughs> looking to buy a premiership club and i think we'd probably stand out as if you're looking at a premiership club you're going to buy that has future growth potential money making already a big sort of fan base not doing well needs money needs some financial investment in a bit of trouble we probably stand out as the ideal candidate and where i could imagine steve diamond comes into this is if they are remote so they're american or uae or whatever You'd want someone who knows their rugby to be going and doing all the investigating, getting all the detail and everything behind it. And I think with our coaching setup and our absolute shambles of a season, I know we'll get into this in a bit, um, but but let's not get away from the fact that we came 11th this season. I could imagine someone, if someone is putting money into the club, they put Steve Diamond in above the current management structure or refresh yeah. the current management structure 
in a sort of direction of rugby role. And I can see that happening with a load of extra money in behind it. Yeah, it's, it, I mean, I'm, I'm like you, I think there is something afoot. I just, it, there's a lot, it, it, there's no specific rumours. The only sort of rumour floating around is the Steve Diamond connection. And, it, and people have said, oh yeah, but he could be going to Bath, he could be going to Worcester. Well, if you're going to Worcester and or Bath, you go to live in Worcester and or Bath, you wouldn't live in Cheltenham. Nah. You know, there, there's just no say point. Cheltenham's got no... I mean, the one thing, the one, the the one thing Cheltenham has is the college where a lot of them stick their kids in school. Like, so I know people who teach there who've got Mm. various high up. So it could be something as innocuous as that. We just don't. Yeah, but there's, there's, you you telling me there's not that around in Bath as well? No, no, I, I I take, I I take your point. What Worcester is the only other one? Like Andy Gooden, Tina Stelportney is at Worcester. There's still quite a few. Around Cheltenham area, weren't they? When they were at Worcester, yeah. so easy. No, and, I think Andy Goode's but... kid is at Cheltenham College, for example. Yeah. I don't know the exact names, hence why I'm not saying it. But, but not Bath, yeah. Yeah, not Bath. Or it's, it, Worcester would be the only other logical one, wouldn't it? Mm. And who knows? You see, I mean, now, the, the, with the rumours you're saying about it, the first I heard it well before this hit was I think I saw some an article in the rugby paper, yeah. and it was about an American businessman was looking to buy Leicester. Leicester, and if he couldn't right, get yeah. Leicester. Because Leicester were up for sale not so long ago. If he couldn't get Leicester, then he was going to come after Gloucester. That's yeah. That's that. That was the original article. I think that's probably around about six to eight weeks ago. I think um, that that article surfaced. And, and again, as Snowy said, it you know Gloucester. If you look at it logically, um, there is a lot of uh, opportunity and possibility for uh, to buy Gloucester. Uh, we're probably if you're looking at sports clubs of this type and size. Um, you know, you're looking at places like, you know, you're looking at things like um, sort of championship football clubs, potentially is the kind of sort of level in, in some in some in terms of the investment you'd need to make. Um, the only issue is that so far, rugby currently doesn't make any money. So that's that's the the big kicker, really. Um, that but, depends um, on the that depends on the driver of the investor, doesn't it? Because it does, there aren't yeah. that many people buying any sports clubs to generate profit. Unless you're buying a super like a super like almost in, international sports club, like a Manchester United. Yeah, yeah. Munich, oh yeah, yeah, but on Manchester United, hundreds of millions of pounds of debt, aren't they? So, well, they make, they make <laughs> well that's only because they transferred it over to the club, didn't they? Rather, yeah, than they, they make a huge, they make a huge pocket. profit every single year. It's just that they, they, they bought the profit, they bought it with debt. But um, we wait and see. One thing I would say, it would be stereotypical Gloucester, wouldn't it? Just as a team start to look as though they're making progress on the pitch, for us to rip it all up and start again. Uh, true. Yes, and we'll come back to the the, the how uh, how we're going on the pitch and our sort of mini season review, I suppose, uh, after the break. But we're going to come back and we'll uh, we'll do a, a bit of a, a break now, and then we'll come back and talk about that. Okay, we're back, and uh, we're going to just do a couple of things quickly just to cover them off. Firstly, uh, the uh, Ealing Saracens playoff for the uh, Premiership. Yeah, that went well uh, for Ealing, and as about as expected as we thought it would do. Uh, Saracens won 60 nil, um, and uh, it wouldn't surprise me that uh, if it wasn't something similar uh, next weekend. So that was an entire waste of a season, and hence relegation is utterly pointless. Um, Anyway, uh, so that's that bit done. The other bit, which was uh, one of the most amazing games of rugby and finishes to a game of rugby ever, which was the Beeritz Bayonne uh, playoff to get into the top 14. The uh, It was half time, it was three all. At full time, it was six all. 
and then it went to a penalty shootout, penalty shootout in which, remarkably, a winger missed the penalty in front of the posts, but Stefan Armitage uh, nailed it. Absolutely banged it through. Beautiful. Straight through. Cue pitch invasion. Uh, fireworks. Fireworks, <laughs> no social distancing, and apparently uh, the, the Beeritz team accidentally let more fans than they should have done in, and there's now a chance that they might uh, not get promoted. So all in all, uh, about as French as you can get, really. Uh, well, so that... they're still get promoters now. Now yeah. their their owners got to find a nice little bundle. Yes. How much? <laughs> how big's the payoff going to be? Yeah, if they exactly. weren't burning tires in the car park. It's not very French. <laughs> no, true. Um, but yeah, if you do, if you haven't seen it on Twitter, please, or uh, on YouTube, whatever, do take a look at the the, the penalty shootout. Particularly the end of it is just remarkable. Uh, was it definitely Stefan Armitage? Because it didn't look. It, looked it like was. No, it was Stefan. It didn't look like Stefan. I have it looked to look more like Yeah, it was Stefan though. It, it no, was Stefan. It's, it's the fat one, not the tall one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it didn't. He didn't have not fat one. He's picking it. <laughs> yeah. he's, 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 uh, well, I'm, I'm watching it now, so I'll comment in one minute and ten seconds. Uh, okay, yeah, <laughs> but it was it was it was remarkable, and um, I, I also think now that all games of rugby should. Uh, once it gets to extra time, there shouldn't be extra time if you go straight to penalties. It as long as Gloucester aren't involved, because that would I don't oh, think I'd, yeah. I, I don't it's think only, I'd survive that. It's it's only the second one, isn't it? Because I remember the yeah, first Leicester one, Cardiff, wasn't it? Was the and first it one. had the most commentators curse ever when Martin <laughs> Williams went up. So like, here comes the complete rugby the player. Most he won't miss. <laughs> yeah. footballer He's one of the greatest footballers ever to play yeah. the game of rugby. Oh. Yeah, Shank. <laughs> but, um, do you know what? Is it? I mean, I know in in football, uh, you know, penalties is something that they kind of spend. Certainly, when they're heading to tournaments or knockout games and stuff, unless you're spending England. a little bit of time <laughs> doing it at the end of training, they're like, right, we'll have a penalty shootout. It's something that gets given a bit of discussion time. Yeah, I don't think any rugby team seriously give any thought to the fact that a game is going to go to a penalty shootout. Really? Well, I, I imagine should, you would do well, if you were in that situation, though. All age know, groups, yeah, last minute, we have always given the, th- the thought to it because what's the one thing you do? You get changed. You grab a ball and you all go out there. And I was about to say, Loz, is, you and you know, spend ev- twenty minutes warming up, kicking the ball between the posts. That's, so, that's, what, who needs to practice? That's probably as good as it gets. The way they should make it better is to do it the pro, proper local rugby one, where you get the flagpole, run round it five times, and then have to run up and flag <laughs> the ball over. That's the only way you make it fair. It. Or, or the rule is you start with the front five and work through the team. Work through, so yeah. Half and out, go afterwards. You know, that's that's a good idea. Like that, yeah. Well, um, have you seen it included? Yes, yeah. Injured play, yes, particularly injured your players. ankle's broken. Get up there. Anyone who has, anyone who's had a cruciate ligament injury, you're, you're first. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're, you're, it seems to be a full crowd in beer. It's fucking. <laughs> it yeah, it's only meant to be five thousand apparently. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was. It was quite full. Invasion. Yeah. And a pitch invasion, yeah. It was quite full. I mean, it wasn't quite as full as the Hungary game, uh, Hungary-Portugal game that was held today. 60,000 people in the Pushkas Arena. Um, yeah. And uh, bloody hell, it was loud. Uh, and it was good to see. Um, right, we're um, going to move now on to um, the sort of the review of the season. And um, I suppose I'll let you guys just crack on with this, really. But it was, well, let, let's be honest, the review of the season can be summed up in uh, a few words, which are, we finished 11th. But um, off you go. <laughs> A bit more detail is we started shit, carried on playing shit, then we won a couple of games, and then COVID screwed up our chances of getting in the Heineken Cup, which is what got us into the Heineken Cup last year. 
yeah, it's the reverse. The last season, wasn't it? We the fortune wasn't our way. I think the best way I've seen it was I think someone put on um, Twitter describe it with a GIF, and so you got loads of GIFs where someone it starts off like someone walking down the street really drunk, looks like they're going to fall over, gets their balance back, and then right at the end break their nose because they can't quite stay up and fall over it's you know oh i thought you were gonna say got hit by a bus <laughs> i don't think it was quite that probably, bad. Would be, probably would be more fun probably what happened jim is they got hit by the bus first looked like they were gonna get up no he's dead fall over um you know it, it, it was a proper it's a hope that kills you season wasn't it i think you know it, it, <laughs> There what I find there was I I'm not sure it was. No, no, no. I'm not sure it was. I think it was more of a. I, I, I don't I, even I, think there was much hope there. To that be was the, ca- I the caveat. Yeah, I've lost all hope after six yeah. weeks of the season. To be honest, so my yeah. my caveat to that was, I think you know, I've been we've had more time to think about this, and everyone's getting really excited for next season. Great, crack on, but. What were we hoping for? That we might not finish ninth. We might actually finish eighth. And it just shows it just shows how far our expectations have fallen at the moment. And you know, I'm not saying there aren't shoots of hope and positivity. Things hopefully would get better, but they've got a long way to go, haven't they? And I almost wish that the RFU showed they had a sense of humor and just said, fuck it, put Gloucester ninth just for the hell of it, just to really kick us in the bollocks with this season. Um yeah. Do, I don't do know, we I mean, took ninth the way we were playing. Yeah. Do do we think do we think that um from a uh, I suppose a playing side point of view it, we're starting to see some improvements because let's be honest, the first half of the season particularly was as about as bad as I can remember in terms of watching Gloucester. Do we feel that there's an improvement there? Yes. The, the, the only the only real signs that I saw that weren't like because there were some flashes of hope that were quite quickly ruined again by the time we got back on the pitch. <laughs> um, but but the one sort of spell I actually thought there is something here was the starting against Bristol. And I yeah. thought, oh, this is it. It, it. Until we obviously got a red card, which is our own fault, and then lost the game I'd by say, quite a lot. I'd but... say a, week, a couple of weeks before that, Northampton away. Yeah. I, take, I take Snowy's point, though, because that Northampton game, Northampton weren't great. And were there was cool. a lot of debate. Was was it us? Was it Northampton? Yeah. I think it's a combo of both. I think what was good about Bristol was we were trying to take the game to them. It wasn't. It wasn't that shit. Let's just hang in here. We were actually trying to play. It just felt so, like our game was elevated to a level. I, I, I agree. You, you can play. You could play. It's like when you watch international rugby versus Premiership rugby. Sometimes it feels like you watch just two different sports, right? And most yeah. and for the rest of the season, even when we've won games, we've been playing a pretty low standard of rugby, and it felt like we had finally elevated that standard to an extent. Uh, for yeah, that, I, start of that Bristol game, but that that is it. That is it I agree. Me. And I think the frustration is, is we just don't know now, do we? We don't have a clear idea of what, are we on that upward curve that we're all hoping, in spite of how cynical we probably are, but we're Gloucester fans. You just don't know what we're going into next season like now. There's yeah, not, ba- it just ba- feels like momentum derby, was pulled away. The Bath Derby would have been a good good test yeah. to that I think yeah. but but that that aside in a way I'm quite happy we that we did just have the season burnt out and we didn't have this sort of false okay yes you we want Gloucester from a fan's perspective you want Gloucester playing at the top table if you can and it doesn't really matter how we get there but mm. in a way it's we we just didn't deserve to get that this season well, the interesting um, one was 
was it i think lance bradley came out and said financially there's not a big difference mm. which i find really interesting i you know i mean I that's believe. either that's I either, call bullshit on that. yeah i call mm. bullshit i think my i think that's got as much spin as my washing machine to be honest but i you know i think i think probably if you get to the final then. if you get to the final and win it the challenge cup and you're comparing that to say just getting knocked out of the group stages of the champions cup mm. There probably isn't a huge amount in it. Is right. It, 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 if after, you, if after you look at prize game, you get a couple one, of changes. You yeah, you get the other. I know it's exactly that, Jim, because it's not going to be an easy competition, is it? Saracens will be in it. I don't. I, I'm assuming Champions Cup teams will drop down into it. So it's not like it was in the past, where you just think you'd have an easy. You know, you get a couple of easy group games, and then you're in with a shout. It's you know. Sorry, that's the football, not you. Yeah, it's all right. It's fine. I mean, I default assume you're gesturing to me, but yeah, no, I no. just, I, it's not an easy, it's, it's not going to be an easy competition to win. So it's not like you can just assume you're going to get into the final and walk the money, are you? No, so. I, I think, for, for, I think if we, if we're going to be sort of fair, <clears throat> fair to Lance Bradley, if we, yeah, as I said, if we're comparing, if you got to the final of the Challenge Cup, it's probably not a huge amount of difference between that and the Champions Cup group stage. But of course, the point is, is, as you quite rightly point out, Russ, it's harder to get to the Challenge Cup latter stages now because the French teams now take it a lot more seriously. Um, the Champions Cup teams do drop down. Um, and therefore, you know, it, it isn't that sort of... It used to be in the sort of mid-2000s uh, when Gloucester first won it. It was kind of a given that the French teams would give up after the first couple of weeks, and, and you'd get an away fixture to Spain, so it was just kind of like a nice trip. Yeah, well, get some is, cracking trips to Romania. Know no, knowing us, we'll end up with fucking Newport in our group. Um, <laughs> so uh, another English team, Newcastle. Some, yeah, yeah, and some sodding French team. Which oh, it'd be would be worse. A, it'd be a wonderful place to go and visit, except for they've had an absolute shitter this season. They'll spend about four and a half billion on their squad, uh, and will give us a ninety-point hiding because they start the season by winning twelve out of twelve when they come to play. Who, who so was it who went there. to somewhere like fucking Russia recently? We'll get a game like that where there's no, no, nothing nice about going there. Oh no, no, well, not only be it, no, so Worcester had it, I think. Oh, Worcester had oh, it, so. And Irish did it as well. But it, so the, the problem is, if you get Krasnodar, um, it's Krasnodar and there's another one, isn't there? But um, they it's play... Russian, they, no, no, they're both Russian and they both play in the same oh. sort of part of Russia. But um, what's what's quite funny is their first game, because it's just about warm enough to have the games there, it's like a... Basically, it's a nuclear power plant is what is famous for this part of Russia. Oh, Port Talbot. Yeah, so it's basically... It's like going to the equivalent, Russian equivalent of Port Talbot. Um, but then, which can only be a good thing, uh, but then all the other games are in Sochi, which is a beautiful uh, Black Sea um, resort. So we won't, we won't get that one. We won't get that one. We'll get the shit one, we'll get Newport, yeah. and then we'll probably get... It's about the equivalent of the same place, won't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, we won't be able to understand a bloody word that either of them say. No, uh, but yeah, because obviously in COVID as well, or alternatively, we'll get three of the most amazing destinations you can have in a, for a giant COVID. No, so yeah, so sort of harking back to the other bit of the pod, which was that uh, George Skivington may have to sort of apparently uh, do an interview for his job. Are we comfortable that he should, 
you know, continue next couple of years? Do, do we think there's a his style of play or his sort of method of, of game management or whatever you want is going to be the way to go forward? It, it, it's, it's a weird interview, isn't it? Because if it's an interview, unless it's the clause in his contract is we can terminate it and give him magic beans, he's staying whatever happens, really, isn't he? Short of this investment being true. Um, I don't know. My, I, I think, I hope we're improving. My worry is, well, it's not a worry, but he's going to run out of places to hide now, isn't he? It's his, his squad. It will be his signings. He's got the training ground. He's got the facilities. Um, so all the play, all those fans saying stick with them, they're going to have to stick with them now. But it's just we know <laughs> the worst scenario for me is we get what looks like an easy start to the season and we don't get the results because that's going to put pressure on them straight away. I I, I don't yeah. know. I find it really hard to know which way it's going to go. I hope we compete. But it's a big step up, isn't it, from where we are now to where we need to be with the investment that we're putting into the seat side. So I'd imagine his sorry, I'd imagine his contract is does actually side with us quite a bit because he wasn't like a big name coach that we brought in with big money. So I'd imagine that we would have we could even have a clause in if you finish tenth or below, then we've got the option to end your contract straight away after a year. So I, I so that wouldn't surprise me if he wasn't tied in. My, my view on it is he was the wrong choice, but I, I still think we have to stick with him again yeah, for next I, season. I, I do yeah, agree yeah, with I, that. I, I think that's my sort of philosophy on it. I was going to say, I, we I, haven't I, got the money to go and get Scott Robinson from uh, no. Roberts or whatever his yeah, name is. No, yeah, yeah. I, I, I wasn't saying I'd get rid of him. I'm just saying that's, I think the, the problem he might have is if we start struggling early, people might turn quite quickly. Yeah. The, the interesting thing, of course, now is. We don't know yet what the situation is with relegation um, next season. It hasn't been kind of confirmed or announced or whatever. Um, so I, that's going to be an interesting one. I, obviously, Saracen's coming up um, is going to mean that it's a very good side that's coming up. Uh, Worcester haven't gone down. They are a very poor side. I think Newcastle are probably a pretty poor side, if we're going to be honest about it. Um, and then everyone else other than Exeter and Bristol, are much of a muchness. It could change year on year. There's not a huge gap really in the league. Jim, your views on it, you know, do you have any sort of strong views either way or are you kind of very indifferent in terms of uh, uh, Skivington and the coaching staff or do you think there should be some changes in the coaching staff? Uh, like I not think, just Skivington. I think George, I think George um, he, he had a bit of a bumpy start and I, th- I think just looking at the players and the effort levels and, the, you know, I'm I'm not in the camp. I don't know what what they really feel, how they you know how things are going. But I just get the impression that they're buying into it a little bit more than they were at the beginning of the season. And mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I, I think if yeah. if he has a really really good preseason, um, and and that preseason is it's all down to him and his team, yeah, um, whether they can properly motivate. Because I think yeah, you know, the huge amount a huge amount of games come down to really really finite numbers and decision making and things like that so it's all about getting the very very best getting 100% rather than 95 out of your players and if he can have a good pre-season and um, much like Russ says actually you know we haven't seen the fixture list yet if we have in a way we'd be better off if we've got a really horrible opening four rounds like playing Bristol Saracens Exeter 
you know. So it's kind of like you go into your first four games and you go, right, if we win two of them, brilliant. If we win one of them, yeah, win your home game sort of thing, yeah. Yeah. Um, and and if and if we lose all four, it's not the end of the world because we're playing, you know, we're Top playing the two the, we're playing the yeah. two best sides at home and we're playing another two really good sides away. Um so it's kind of if we're in that situation, it's not too bad. But I think if we go into the season and we have a poor run of form and we we lose at home to the Newcastles or we lose away to the Worcesters, then all of a sudden it's big, big pressure on. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I, I absolutely think George deserves another season. Uh, and I just hope that we continue to see the progression that we've kind of glimpsed at over the last few months. Yeah, Russ? I, I think the other thing to build on that, and it just occurred to me, Snowy's made this point before, is I think the international breaks are good, the internationals when the players are away are going to be massive. We, we, you know, so like Jim was saying, having the big teams early might help us because we could be fully loaded, hopefully. International weeks are going to be key for us because we are going to lose a lot of players. Our back line is pretty much all going to go. So it's then there's an opportunity there for players to develop and step up, but that's going to require us to, and it does look like the players are bought in, but there's going to be a lot of work on those international weeks for us. So I think that could be where it's going to be really interesting and that's, that's going to have a big impact, I think. That's the big problem with our squad, I think, because so he has got a great squad to, to go with, like a, a squad that just on on paper, a uh, top four side, I think, even with a couple of holes in the forwards still. The issue is what happens at international windows, because I don't think the squad is very well balanced, and we've discussed that before. So yeah. I think when, when he has got a full squad available to him, those are must-win games. And it doesn't, it, especially at home. So even when you're playing the top teams at home, we have to be winning those games when we've got all players available. Well, maybe we could ask for our bye weeks, seeing as there's 13 teams in. <laughs> yeah, there is bye weeks, isn't there? Quite right, Jim. We, we, yeah. we could have we could have a bye week during the international windows. Well, yeah, but yeah, we'll that will not happen. Will we'll we'll get, we'll get our bye week first and last yeah. games of the, the season. season. Yeah. yeah, quite. Yeah. Um, so again, sort of. I mean, it's difficult to review this. It's, I, I personally, it's a difficult season to review because COVID has obviously affected it so much. So you know, Gloucester have obviously finished the season with two uh, COVID defeats. Um, you know, Worcester ended up winning. Uh, was it five games this season, of which four of them were COVID wins? I mean, it, 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 so it's a, there are elements of the season which are difficult to judge. I think we all agree that the first part of the season, from sort of week one to week probably 13, 14, were, let's be honest, not good enough. I mean, the, the, the quality of the rugby was very poor. The, the results were abysmal. Um, there were a few meet you know small bright sparks in the in the wasps win and the ulster win but other than that it was very very poor um from about february onwards um to be fair to them they did start to pull some results around and the form towards the end of the season was a lot better um and we you, and i think yeah we've all kind of commented on the pod there were certain moments where you could kind of see um things coming together in terms of a style of play and um uh, improvements in terms of uh players and, and and maybe even the depth of the squad was improving um, through the game time these guys were being given. Um, I, I'm, I'm you no one wants to finish 11th, but I suppose the plus is we didn't finish 12th. And actually probably if it hadn't been for the last couple of weeks of COVID, 
um, the way we were playing, the form that we were in and the opposition that we had, I would have expected us to have probably got nine, maybe even 10 points from those final games. Um, and we would have qualified probably for the Champions Cup. But um, we don't know. It's, it's one of those things. Um, I want to move on now, just a few final little bits and pieces. Um, first of all, do we actually care who wins the Premiership this season? Yes and no. And I'd rather it not be Bristol. That's my view on this, by the way. That I concur entirely with Loz. Jim? Until a few weeks ago, I didn't want it to be Bristol-Exeter. But, <clears throat> yeah, don't want it to be Bristol. Um, and apart from... Yeah. Pat Lamb's a little bit of cheating that I really didn't like. Mm. Um, other than that, I wouldn't mind Bristol. Oh, I love the way they play the game. Yeah, 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 yeah. just playing. It's a great rugby. I'm, I'm, I'm torn. Um, I, I, I would kind of like Quinns to really upset it. Um, I yeah. can't have. I can't. I'm not. No, not on sale. Not no. a fan of sale. <laughs> yeah, and I think Exeter, Exeter are kind of they've they've had a few speed bumps this season mm. I think they're maybe a little bit cocky at times now they kind of but I, I think they're a bit like Saracens you know in their Ealing game you know oh oh right this one counts boom and I yeah. think I think they might just really turn it on focus and absolutely blow team away in the semi-final um, they've got Sale haven't they yeah they've got Sale again um, and obviously Sale are going to have um well, both teams are potentially going to have uh, players out, aren't they? Um, yeah, band, Dave Ewers has been. Injuries. Yeah, Dave Ewers has been suspended. Is going to be suspended, and then obviously they got Sale got some really, really kind yeah, of AJ, untimely. AJ McGinty is a big, big is, loss. That's, for that's a massive, massive loss. Um, yeah, because he was playing fantastically well. So, yeah. and, and I kind of think actually that all of this possibly plays into into Harlequin's hands. I, yeah. I think they, they could be the, the team that are just under the radar. Everyone thinks that it's going to be a Bristol extra final. And, and actually, I, I think um, Harlequin's on their day if, if, if all their players play to the, the, the full they, They've got a very hands. good squad, Quinns. Um, and they've got some excellent, excellent players, individual players. Um, and you, I, I agree. If you're not 100% on it, um, you can see them winning. Whether they can win it two games in a row. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. And that's, that's, see, that's the big I, I think if they get to the final, they can go on and win it. My, my concern is I just can't see them beating Bristol at Ashton Gate in front right. of 7,000 supporters. Mm, true, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I think it depends if what sort of game is it. Not, in, Quinn's... This, not in this weather either, because it's going to be glorious. True, yeah, true. I mean, to be fair, the one thing I would say is if Quinn's sort of kind of go almost toe-to-toe with them, I don't think they'd be a bit of Bristol. But if Quinn's try and maybe a, make it a bit more of a nuggety, like, n- niggly game, um, like a little bit like they did really, with Gloucester. In yeah, that, really annoy him. Just, you know, like, a bit cynical. Um, I can You can see them maybe just hanging in there and they've got the with Marcus Smith and Danny Kerr and um, you know Don Brandt and the rest of it they've got players that can just bust teams wide open so um, it's interesting it'll be an interesting one that one um, I think Exeter will blow sail away um, I think so um, it, it could end up being a uh, it could end up being a Bristol Exeter final if that's the case I will be supporting Exeter because um, well I won't be supporting them but I'll be wanting Exeter to win because nah I don't want Bristol to win um, the uh, the final bit I wanted to just touch on this pod was um, it was announced last week that uh, the USA uh, Rugby Union have um, officially bid for 
the World Cups, uh, three of them, amazingly. So they bid for the 2027 World Cup, which is the Men's World Cup, the 2029 Women's World Cup, and the 2020, uh, 2031 Men's World Cup. I, it's almost guaranteed they're going to get one of the Men's World Cups. I mean, the, the rumours are that I think it's probably going to be um, Australia in 2027. That seems to be the front front row, uh, front bidder. Um, and let's be honest, I can't living any, think of anything better than uh, an American World Cup. That is going to be spectacular. Um, um, you- the, the only thing with the timing you just said is that normally they go for a uh, a profit-making World Cup and a non-profit-making World Cup, and they rotate those. And Aus- Australia is a non-profit-making World Cup. I thought that's true. Uh, uh, although they reckon that the Australia—it's more for the uh, America. Well, yeah, true. That, that is true. But I think the Americans will make money. I think, think America would make money. I think they, they, will find, they will find a way to make that profitable. That is going to be an enormously big expense. Uh, you know, the, just because they, they're going to be looking at minimum stadiums are going to be 50,000, 60,000 stadiums. Yeah. Um, just, just just on ticket sales alone, it will be double what... Yeah, I mean... They, they, well, they if, if you can get Americans into the grounds, that's the key, right? Because generally, whenever games have been played over there and there's been big crowds, the crowds mm. have been full of either expats or Europeans that have gone over or other countries have gone yeah, over. you target games. that, don't you? Who cares? I mean, if you sell out every ground and they're massive... Well, that's World, right. In the, World, in the World Rugby Cup. don't give a shit whether they're American, European. Yeah, Greek, yeah, but but that, that's not that's not going to happen for Namibia versus South Africa. I'd, I'd watch it. The thing is, though, the, the yeah. Americans. The, one thing I would say: people kind of forget this about America, and, and I, I take your point about the fact that um, Americans, um, it, you, you're going to you're going to struggle to to maybe fill a, a 50, 60,000 stadium for, say, you know, Samoa versus Namibia. But America has, like, some of the largest populations of various diaspora in, in the world. Um, you know, you're going to have probably the best part of a million Samoan Americans there anyway. Um, massive, it's a massive marketing challenge, though, because even because there's been loads of international games. How many times have England gone over there and toured the US? And there's 8,000 in the stadium. But it's, yeah, it, but it, 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 it wasn't there. England though; it was England Saxons. Yeah. That's the thing. England. Yeah. This is the first time that England have played America in a, and obviously it's in the UK, it's in Twickenham. It's the first time that England will play an America, uh, America in a Canada game outside I, of a World, of Cup. World Cup. Yeah, I think you in something at, like forty years. It, and if if they get it for twenty thirty one, they've got ten years to get things in place so you can do things like the island new zealand game over there. i mean the island games you just stick in somewhere with like boston. a big irish boston, yeah boston one, yeah. somewhere boston, like that. chicago new york you're gonna you're get, gonna get, get a few island games in on saint paddy's day and they'll make a fucking fortune i mean just by other, marketing it the other thing know? to bear in mind as well with americans is you know it's as you say 10 years but the, major league rugby it, it's it's a very very it's it's growing very quickly um crowds are increasing year on year and they're increasing quite almost exponentially in terms of the number of people they're getting in through the gates they're going to bigger grounds i do think you always kind of struggle last last season the average attendance for major league rugby uh have a guess i'm going to say about eight thousand, but obviously because of covid is it's a bit weird uh, yeah so. no 2019 this was actually this was okay so uh, yeah about five five maybe five six thousand something like that just under two thousand. Oh. So, but but what we've got to remember is, 
walked the, the second av- season, wasn't it? And, and the, the average the attend- highest attendance was six thousand ever mm-hmm. in a ever in a game. But the average attendance in England for the Premiership is, you know, there are certain teams that don't get above ten thousand. So, you know, comparatively speaking. The World Cup's a different thing, isn't it? If you market it right, if you sell it right, brand it. And we know the America. if the Americans can do anything, it's marketing and going big. Well, I, I, think it's, I think it's a good thing to do. I just, yeah. I think I think that from a World Rugby perspective, they'll be viewing it as a growth opportunity World Cup, not, not a profit World but, Cup. But right? So they might, they're, they're probably, then, then if Australia get in 2027, it might be England 2031 to make some money and then go, yeah. and then go, yeah, yeah. um, American 2030. I mean, yeah. the one thing you can say is if they're going for three World Cups, like Ed said, they've got a plan in mind. They clearly have. They clearly want this. So it might not be profiting, profit making, but there might be a generous donation to the coffers from somewhere. No, they'll, you know, they'll have a long term plan, won't they? They'll yeah. have a plan of getting more uh, collegiate rugby. They'll have a plan of getting more women's rugby. They'll have a plan of more sevens rugby. I mean, obviously, yeah. the Olympics. This is, is the thing, isn't this it? Year. You um, look at the sorry, Jim. No, I was just there, like things like the Olympics will be a huge draw for America because they will want to perform. You know, was it four or eight years ago, Carl and Isles, you know, tearing it up? Well, they, yeah. they took an interest in sevens as soon as it was a World Cup sport, didn't they? Uh, so that, the yeah, yeah. that had yeah. a massive impact there. So, you're, I think you're right, Jim. Las Vegas Sevens is already big on the circuit, so they've got experience of what they need to do. They've also got like they've also got a minimum of six years to sort it out yeah. if they get the first one. Yeah. And they don't need to build. But realistically, they got ten or fourteen years, haven't they? And, and they don't need to build any sevens, Jim. Because the, the thing is, I was reading a story, reading an article about it, and they're saying that obviously people are instantly thinking, "Oh, wow, they're going to play at all these NFL stadiums." Well, it's likely no, that it will probably play at the clash college with stadiums. the the college stadiums are bigger. Um, and yeah. they're far more inv- they're form- far more atmos- atmos- atmospheric. They're in places that are kind of generally places that you don't get a lot of other sports. So you know the big college places, they'll be like a, a massive stadium, but there won't be an NFL team maybe in that city or that's that even that state. Um, so it, it, it's going to be uh, you know I, well one and thing. That's, and that's what they want to do. They want to get these college players that don't make NFL draft mm. playing rugby. So actually, yeah, I'm not going to go and be a pro ball player. I'm going to be someone that goes to work for a living and I'm going to play rugby in my spare time because I love smashing into people. So. Right, I've got to put some more bees in the bonnet is that not many games are going to be played at any NFL grounds. There might be the odd one because the pitches aren't big enough. So they'll be, what you'll find is a lot of the grounds that will be used will be the MLS football grounds in the various seas. But, they're, but then they're, they've got the capacity and... The, the, yeah. the college, I, the, the, yeah, I know, but, I know. So but, the pitch, but, the pitch but, situation, I have seen as well, yeah. But the the um. But the, what makes sense yeah. with with those games anyway is that you pick appropriate size stadiums for the games. Yeah, isn't it? exactly. Yeah, hundred and twenty thousand capacity every time. Boom. Three World Cup games. Are yeah. you just hoping for a better ticketing system, Jim? So we in a hundred twenty thousand no. stadiums, we've got a chance <laughs> no, of actually getting a no ticket pre-sale. to a game you want. No pre-sale, just queue up on the just door. Just rock up on the, on the day. We'll go to Ann Arbor with the 98,000 yeah. seats or whatever it is. Yeah. Snow uh, buy a ticket, the rest of us will get in for free on the way to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Right. Um, on that note, um, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed, boys. We managed to get through a lot tonight and it's not taken uh, two hours, which is right, what can, I was Can I just theory. point out one more thing about Amer- um, the American Rugby League? Now, don't don't ruin this for us, Snowy. <laughs> yeah. no, so the Seattle team, you might know the NFL team's the Seahawks. Well, their yes. rugby team are the Sea Wolves, right? Okay, yeah. So, and you're probably wondering what a Sea Wolf is. Well, the logo is a shark. Yeah. Or is it a wolf? So okay. it's got a shark, shark fins and a shark tail, but a wolf head. Uh, yeah, totally so, I mean, I'm in. I, I, that's is, my is it like that, the sail shark mascot with a beard on? <laughs> yeah. I mean, to I, be honest, a, a shark wolf. I'm in. I'm in. They've, it's the exact te- colours and everything from the Seahawks NFL team. So it's just trying Seattle to. Do, Seattle's marketing is amazing. They've, they've just got the um, ice hockey team, which is oh, the, the Kraken. Kraken. Yeah, you yeah, know yeah. that that released a Kraken. They, you know, so I mean, that's in all seriousness, that's the thing they can market the crap out of this. So the one Ed, I showed Ed, where they fucking, they don't give a shit about rugby values because they sent the bloke on the motorcycle, the mascot, right in front of the goal kicker oh, yeah. just before he's <laughs> going to kick the goal. And then, like Ed said, as he's jogging back after the kick, we'll be back after this short break. Yeah, they literally went to a break on the, uh, oh, that, that, oh, good God. <laughs> 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure we share this on Twitter because this is genius. Uh yes. Uh, on, <laughs> on that note, uh we'll we'll leave it there. Thank you very much, guys. We'll be back uh probably in a couple of weeks um after uh, for the final. Um and then we'll do a couple of weeks about the Lions before we uh we pause for the for the summer. Thanks a lot, guys. Cheers, Cheers guys. Guys.